Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first podcast about gambling on NASCAR. I know it's a pretty niche deal, but that's what we're into, and we're loving it right now. So on this episode, we're going to recap Bristol last Saturday night. Was it good? Was it bad? How'd we do? We'll talk about that. Some news and notes in NASCAR, because it is a hot week for updates, and silly season is definitely in mid-swing. So we'll just briefly touch on that because we made a pretty big prediction a little while back and we hit, so we'll talk about it. Las Vegas, though, that's where we're headed next. What a perfect racetrack for a podcast like this about gambling. Well, we're headed to Sin City for the second time in this NASCAR season, so we're going to break down Moneyline picks to win. Then, of course, the prop bets with some top 10 action. Head-to-heads after that. Got to do a little bit better this week, as we'll talk about and. Then we'll finish it up with a Phil's Fired Up section where I'm talking about the sports books, trying to educate everyone on the different sports books and how to play it. If you're someone who goes around from sports book to book, app to app, there are some things you need to know about because there's more and more of these every week. So we're going to talk about that at the end of the podcast. So it's going to be a good one, the Las Vegas episode. But we'll start talking about Bristol. It was a... The last Saturday night race of the year. I know I was very excited about it, but I'm leaving, licking my wounds just a little bit. Harvick, as you heard in the intro, another winner. I mean, the guy is just dominating this week. Sorry, this season, not just this week. But it was a tough one because we had Kyle Busch. We talked all about him last week, and it really felt like that was his race to lose. And, well, he did lose it. I mean, he got the lead. And then hit some lap traffic, little drama there with Logano, some trash talk afterwards with Kyle. But his post-race comments really turned me off for him moving forward, betting on him. I mean, talking about how they'll be eliminated in the next round. Didn't really love that. Might just be Bristol talking, you know what I mean? He's just aggravated with the way things went down. But we were looking great earlier with our bets. I mean, we had Chase up there, as well as Joey Logano in the first stage, second stage. But things kind of fell apart at the end. And... I am not someone who loves when there are minimal amount of cars on that lead lap, and it really hurt the fact that there were only six cars on the lead lap towards the end of that race in Stage 3. It made it less interesting. One, because you know the guys that we also had called out on the money line, Joey and Chase, they were you know struggling and didn't have a chance to really make a run late. Kyle was our guy. Obviously, you know, you saw what happened to him. He, he took a shot at it, made it interesting for sure. It was a fun ending for those two. But some of our other bets, like the top tens, you really didn't get to follow along because they were really only focusing on the top two guys because NASCAR realized pretty quickly that there wasn't going to be much drama at the cut line. And then once there was only six guys on the lap, they didn't uh, they didn't really focus on anybody else. So our top ten picks, I mean, we hit Boyer yet again. Matty D and Christopher Bell, we had those guys in the top 10. 
they struggled. And uh, we're actually going to pin those two against each other in the head-to-head section this week as uh, some revenge. But they struggled, but you didn't really get to see it. And that was a little frustrating for me as the viewer. Head-to-heads last week, we went one and three. Not great. So overall, I don't know if I'm just bitter because our bets looked good again in the beginning of the race and then kind of fell apart towards the end. I don't know about that. The Jeff Gluck poll, I was very interested in this week because I didn't necessarily think it was a great race, but 78% of the people said it was. So I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just in the minority there. Clearly, you know, I, if I voted, I would have said no, uh, just because I like when there's more people contending for the win. But that's that. Bristol, we're putting it in the rear view. I got very excited for it. Hung out, watched the race from start to finish. It was great. I didn't like the ending, but we move forward. I was already looking into the Las Vegas stats as soon as that race was over. I was so frustrated. I'm like, damn, we got to hit it next week. So we're starting off really good this week heading into Vegas. But before we do that, we got to call out, pat ourselves on the back, you know, because we're kind of uh, licking our wounds, like I said, from Bristol. Well, let's talk about some silly season news because... As you heard here on this podcast, just a few episodes back, Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan are teaming up to start a race team. That's right. We called that out. We talked about that and said, you know, if you can bet on free agency or silly season, this would be something that you should keep your eye on. And man, we we hit that on the head. So they are starting a new race team. They bought the charter from Jermaine Racing, the 13 cars of Ty Dillon, out of a job. And they have tagged Bubba Wallace as their driver. So he's leaving. We knew he was leaving Richard Petty Motorsports, but we didn't know where he was going to land. I really thought he was going to be the first big free agency signing. I think he was kind of the the first shoe to drop. And, uh, you know, big deal all around. I mean, you see these teams that are dropping out, but you don't really see too many big teams, big name teams coming into NASCAR. So it's great to see such publicity and um, all the good stuff there. They have to be the 23 car, right? I mean, I, I was doing some research. Didn't take very long to see. There hasn't really been a, a 23 car, so they, they have to be that, right? That's got to be the car number for Michael Jordan. I mean, it makes total sense. So great stuff all around, but we hit it out of the park. We called that. And if we were able to bet on the free agency market, we would have cashed in big time on that. But One that I did not see coming. Ross Chastain to the 42. Now, he was actually the first signing of the week. So, right before the Jordan, Hamlin, Wallace stuff broke last week, it was Ross Chastain that broke on Monday, or I think it was Sunday night, maybe. He's going to Chip Ganassi in the 42, which totally took me by surprise. I would not have bet on that if free agency was bettable, if that's a word. That... To me, is an interesting signing. I guess he's had a relationship with that team, but I think there are some bigger name guys, some better guys out there. But people love this guy, Ross Chastain. The watermelon man is what they call him. I, I guess the verdict's still out for me. I got to bet on him more to, to determine whether I like him or not, see if he wins me some money. But interesting signing there. I think it's only a one-year deal. They didn't really get into the details of it. They kept saying just for 2021. So I guess uh, they're saying, you know, put up or shut up in that 42 car. So Interesting signing there because there are so many other big names out there. Clint Boyer, Matt Benedetto, both 
in a car without technically a contract for next year. Then you have Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, people talking about Kyle Larson getting reinstated. Very interesting silly season going on right now. So Wallace was clearly the biggest name to drop first. And now I think after he landed where he did, now we'll see where these other chips fall. So very interesting news and notes. And then the last thing, from a gambler's perspective, the schedule is sort of leaking out left and right, and Texas has lost a regular season race to the road course in Austin, the Circuit of the Americas. I think F1 runs there. So we're going to have to gear up next year and start preparing for betting on a track with no history in the past. That's going to be an interesting one. We'll probably use the road course stats that we've built up that we'll use again in coming weeks for the Roval, but... Always an interesting take from the gambling side of things when you have a, a completely fresh track to deal with. So that'll be interesting. And Texas is also going to be the site of the All-Star Race. That'll be a snooze fest, I'm sure. But in any case, I definitely think it'll be interesting for the gamblers to look at this road course next season. So those are the news and notes. Just thought we'd mention. Now let's get to Las Vegas. It's a fresh start. It's a new round for these playoff drivers. We eliminated four guys. There's 12 left got three races, so Vegas is starting off this round two, and it's kind of interesting because this schedule, the way it's set up, I mean, we had Bristol ending last round, short track. Now we're moving to an intermediate track. First intermediate track, mile and a half, that we've had in a really long time, and I'll be honest with you, from a gambler's point of view, it kind of feels good to have an intermediate track back in play, this mile and a half, because it feels like it's more predictable. There's, you know, kind of a a home-like feel when you're pouring through the data of one of these mile-and-a-halves than, say, a, a Bristol where, you know, anything can happen, or a Talladega where we're going next week. So the, the schedule, kind of to finish that thought, starting at a short track, then moving to a mile-and-a-half, then the Super Speedway next week, and the Roval to finish off that stretch of four straight just random racetracks all in a row. It's really putting these drivers to the test, so you kind of love to see that. So Let's take a look at the track stats here. 25 races total. So a little bit different than what we've seen over these last few episodes as far as sample size. From the pole, the winner has started there only one time. Uh, 2009, Kyle Busch was the winner from the pole there. Starting within the top five, the winner started there nine times. That's 36%. That is not very high from what we've seen in some of these other tracks, especially mile and a half. Now, Top 10, the winner started there 13 times. It's just over 50%. Starting outside the top 20, it's happened five times, 20% of the time. So one out of five races, the winner has started outside the top 20. That's pretty interesting to me. I don't think we've seen a percentage that high in a little while, but it might be because of the smaller sample size. In any case, I mean, it's possible is what we're saying here. Now, manufacturer stats. Ford has won seven of the last nine races. And Toyota has won those other two races that Ford did not win. Little side note, Truex won both of those for Toyota. Okay, we haven't had a Chevy driver win the race since 2015 when it was Kevin Harvick driving for Chevy. So this is not their racetrack. All right, and that's going to reflect in our money line picks. We're not going to take a Chevy driver to win the race. I know it's just the numbers tell us that that's the case, and, and we abide by these track stats. Sponsored by Sean Boy, 
That's right, Sean Boy, you might have thought we forgot about them. We didn't. All right, if you're forgetting to get your spreadsheets in, your Excel files, you've got stuff going on at work where numbers are just dancing in your head and you don't know what to do with it, Sean Boy, he's your guy to get everything in place, everything organized, and all buttoned up, ready to turn in to your boss this week. Don't forget, give him a call if you're in that place. Sean Boy, he's our boy. I mean, if we were to ignore those stats... Sean Boy would be pissed at us, so we can't have that. So we have to take that into consideration. It just feels good to be back at this mile-and-a-half racetrack so we can put these numbers to work because they mean something at tracks like this. So let's get to some money line picks, and we'll start just by talking about the strategy. The favorite this week going off at plus 450 at this moment is Kevin Harvick. All right, So we're going to fade the favorite with our picks on the money line this week. We're not going to go with the chalk in this one. So we're going to start with Brad Keselowski going off at plus 600. I really think that Brad has worked his way into this big three conversation for two different reasons. One, I mean, he had that win in round one, and that's one way to kind of force yourself into a conversation about being in the, the top part of the series. But the other thing is Denny's kind of faded a little bit in his you know, recent performance this past month or so where Brad has kind of remained steady, poking at the door, trying to see if he can get in there. And I love Brad at this racetrack. I love him at that odd plus 600. That's a very interesting thing to see when the odds were released early this week. So looking at his last 10 races, that's where you really start to feel good about this pick. Three wins, seven top fives, 10 top tens. That's unreal. That is the only guy in the field that in the last 10 races has finished in the top 10 every single time. I can't remember, looking back at this year, a podcast where we've called somebody out with that type of stat. Maybe once or twice, but it's very rare to see a guy that good recently there. So his last win was 2018. That was four races back. Now, we love the driver rating stat. His driver rating is eighth here. It's 95.4. And I think what you could see there is his career has had some races and some finishes that may not have been great early on, but more recently he's been absolutely on fire. So his average finish all time is 11.3. That's good enough for third still, 11.3, third out of everyone. But if you just focus on those last 10 races, I mean, this number is wild. 3.6 is his average finish in 10 races. That's wild. Of course, that's the first place out of everybody. So absolutely banana lands numbers here for the two car and Brad Keselowski. Now, we did have a race earlier this year in 2020. He finished seventh. So not great, but 207, sorry, 279 laps led. That's fourth on the circuit. So he gets up front. He's able to stay in the top 10. Just phenomenal stuff out of that team. He has led laps in seven of those 10 races. So it just, all of those things makes me surprised that he's going off at plus 600. I would have thought that he would have been up there, maybe, you know, plus 450, at least plus 500, but you're getting some good value here on a guy that is very good at Vegas and a team that's very good at Vegas. Penske's good. So quick pattern here for Brad, and then we'll move on. Anytime he has finished outside the top five 
in a previous race, he has followed it up with a win during this last 10 race stretch. So I just mentioned he finished seventh in the spring. So if that pattern were to continue, he would come back with a win. He'd be in victory lane this Sunday night. So I don't know what more I can say. I mean, I'm loving this two car plus 600. So lock me in for sure on the money line for that one. Now let's move over to another guy. A little bit shorter odds, plus 500. He's the, the second favorite, but I still like him. Martin Truex Jr. Kind of a weird season for Martin overall. He had the Martinsville win, and, you know, his round one was kind of sketchy. It was a little bit like his season uh, in three races. I mean, his finishes in round one, 24th, 2nd, and 22nd. So really just kind of all over the place and hasn't been able to harness that energy that they had in Martinsville to really project out for the rest of the year. But you'd have to imagine that if they're going to make a championship run, which these guys, these upper echelon guys all want to do, it's going to have to start pretty soon. They're running out of races here. We got seven left. So now would be the time. In his last 10 races, two wins, five top fives, seven top tens. I mentioned how he's been the rep, basically, for Toyota at this racetrack. When Toyota has won in the last nine races or ten races or so, it's been this guy, Martin Truex Jr., in victory lane. So in 2020, the spring race here, he finished 20th. But before that, he had five straight top tens in a row. That's good stuff. And this racetrack has been in the playoffs only twice. And so that's another lens that you want to think about, no matter what you're betting, right? Whether it's the money line or top tens or any other type of weird bet, you want to have that in the back of your head. How did the guys do last year and the year before in the fall? Because those were two playoff races at this racetrack. Well, Martin went out and he won the race. So that's something that I really love to see. I mean, Gibbs Camp he is your best option in the Gibbs camp. We'll talk about how Denny is a little bit distracted, in my opinion. And Kyle, you know, those post-race comments, is he just giving up? It makes you question whether you want to put money down on somebody like that. So if you're looking at the Gibbs camp, he's clearly your best option with those stats and with the fact that he doesn't have the extracurricular stuff going on. He seems like Truex is your guy there if you want to bet on a Toyota. So plus 500. I think that's decent. If it starts to go down from there, then I might back off. But right now, I think that's a good value. So lock it in for the 19 car in this one. And then I'm going to round it out with Joey Logano plus 650, okay? Joey is someone that seems like the last few weeks, I think I've thrown money on in the last few weeks, just because when I'm doing the research on these tracks, he strikes you as the guy who is best track history plus good odds equals money line bet. I mean, that's the equation that I think about. And he's got great stats here. So going off at plus 650, it really gets my attention. Honestly, I, I saw the odds come out. And after I started going through some of the data, he jumped out to me and I was like, wait, where is he? And I had to scroll down a little bit to get to him. So I was like, boom, I'm in on this 22 car. So let's take a look at his last 10 races. He has two wins. Six top fives, nine top tens. So we talked about how Brad's got 10 top tens. He's right behind him at nine. And that kind of drops off after that to the next best guy, I think, is seventh. So clearly these two Penske cars, 
They like it here. They like being in that top 10. They like being up front. He has led laps in the last nine races here. That 10th race, he did not lead a lap. He wasn't in the top 10. That's not where he finished. So if he's up there leading laps, you better believe that he'll be finishing there. That's why I really love the opportunity to live bet. We need that. We need it for 2021. Sportsbooks, if you're listening, put it in there. But I digress. He's a guy who just loves being out front. He can keep that car clean, which is what you want. You know, you want to avoid kind of the, there's not really big ones at these intermediate tracks, but you do have idiots out there that are doing stupid stuff. He seems to have the knack for avoiding it at this racetrack. When we want to rip off some stats here. So average finish in his career, it's 8.0. That's good enough for first out of everybody's all-time average finish. And then specifically in the last 10 races, his average finish, it moves up to 5.4. That's good enough for second. Obviously, it's going to be tough to beat Kozlowski's average finish, but still 5.4 in 10 races for an average finish. That's a great number to see. So he's got that Penske power. And you look at that driver rating, second out of everybody in the circuit, 104.5 is his driver rating. So very good stuff. Now, when did we come here last? It was in the spring. Who was the winner of that race? It was this guy, Joey Logano. So are we going to have somebody sweep these two races? It wouldn't shock me. It would not shock me whatsoever. So the best part of his season was before COVID hit. It was that West Coast swing. There was four races before COVID hit, and he was you know, on fire with two wins in that time frame. So we're going back to where the season started, really, and maybe he can capture some of that energy. So he opened at plus 600, went down to plus 650. You got to snag him because I don't think it's going to go any further. I don't think he's going to hit plus 700, but you never know. I'm going to keep my eye on it. I love the 22 this week, Joey Logano plus 650. So just to recap the other two guys, Kozlowski plus 600 and Martin Truex Jr. plus 500. Those are the money line picks for Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas! Next, we're going to take on the prop section. We'll talk top tens to get us started. We'll end with some daily fantasy talk and a little bit of Random stuff mixed in between. So we'll start with the top tens. Top tens this week are a little tough. All right. Unless you're willing to give up more money on some shorter odds on some sure things. Those are out there. That's not what we're about in this section. Okay. We like to try to find the guys that are right at that zero mark. You know, just maybe some minus money just over the board with a plus money and look at some long shots to finish in the top 10 because that makes the race a little bit more interesting. It didn't last week, you know, even though there were some wonky finishers in the top 10 last week, some strange names finished in the top 10 last week, you would have never known because the TV didn't cover it. So this week we're, we're looking forward to that and we're going to start, we're going back to the, the well. And that's the Eric Almarola well. That's right. He's going off at minus 118. He has finally come back down to earth a little bit. A little bit humbled. You know, there was one point where he was like minus two something to finish in the top 10. Well, now he's back down. And that's where we're going to snag him. So he's starting in the fourth position here. That will be good for him just because his stats, looking at his time at Las Vegas, I mean, they're not phenomenal. They're not perfect. But you have to consider playoff drivers when we're talking about top 10 and he is in the playoffs but we'll talk about his history real quick first so in 2020 the the spring race he finished 21st not great last year this race the fall race 13th 
outside of the top 10. Not great. But before that, he ripped off three straight top 10s. So, you know, maybe he can harness that. It's not like he's never done it here. He's got three of them in a row. And that was right when he joined the 10 team. So I think the last couple races, maybe you could chalk up to, you know, a little bit of bad luck. But his average finish in his last 10 races at Las Vegas is 16.2. But since joining the 10 car, it does improve to 11.4. I like that stat. And another stat that we don't really touch on, because I don't know if I love using this as a, you know, a barometer every week for every single driver. But if you look at driver rating, okay, we love the standard driver rating stat, but he's 20th when we're looking at that for his career. But they do offer the stat of driver rating since 2018, and he actually really improves. His driver rating, at a, compared to everybody on the circuit, since 2018, he's actually eighth on the circuit. So that, to me, is indicative of someone who's able to handle things more recently, you know, start his career in worse equipment. Now he's in some decent rides. He's doing better. So all of that, to me, is worth, you know, the minus 118 pick. But the other thing is, looking at the history of the two playoff races at Las Vegas, the top 10 has just been absolutely swarmed with playoff drivers. Now, I think Vegas originally started in the first round, so there's more drivers to be a part of that. But now in the second round, you know, 12 guys instead of 16. But I think the point remains, you know, this is a track where, playoff drivers are going to be up front. So it's really about not making a mistake. And I think a team like this, you're in the 10 team, right? You see your one teammate just blowing the doors off of everyone in Kevin Harvick. Then you see yourself looking at yourself like, you know, we're hanging in there. We're pretty good. Clint also kind of hanging in by the skin of his teeth. They need, and they saw their other teammate fall out of the playoffs so they can see what can happen with a few bad runs. They've got Talladega and the Roval coming up, a bunch of unknowns. This is a track where a team like the 10 car is going to have to place pretty well, and, and we're going to use that same reasoning for our next guy. So I like the playoff drivers in this sense. I'm liking the value here, minus 118, and you know the track history isn't bad either. So Marcus down for Almirola, finishing the top 10 at Vegas this weekend. Now, the next guy, we're going back to this well also, and it's Austin Dillon plus 115. He was well under the zero line. He was minus 195 last week, I think, to finish in the top 10. Now he's back. He's better odds for us, plus 115. The question here, everybody has, when is that three car going to cool off? He is kind of racing above his ability, it seems like. I mean, he's the the underdog story so far of the playoffs is this where he starts to cool off because for those same reasons that I just mentioned with Talladega and I mean both the three car and the 10 car are good super speedway cars. That's not the problem. It's the unknown. You don't know where you're going to be swept up in the big one. You can do everything right at those racetracks and still, you know, get caught up in something. So he's starting seventh. He finished fourth in the spring. All right. And 12th last fall. So those two races, if you want to use those as a, a small sample size, I mean, he clearly recently is okay with this racetrack. But in the last 10 races, I mean, those are really his best finishes. He's got two top fives and two top tens in that time. His average finish is 14.7. So his driver rating out of everyone is 13th. So 
all of these things are saying that the three car doesn't necessarily have to stay hot to finish in the top 10. I just think they have to race their race and they will be in the hunt. I, I don't think you're going to see the three competing for a win like he was to start the playoffs, but I think he'll be right in that eight to 14 spectrum and he'll give us a show for those of us who are betting on him. So Austin Dillon in the three car plus 115. I like that one. Now to finish off the top 10 section, I'm going to give a, a complete wild card shot here. This is a guy that we haven't really talked about this year that much. And it's Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Plus 300 is the odds for this car to finish in the top 10. I mean, this is a, a driver who has just struggled this year. He is really not having the year they thought they were going to have when it started. I mean, I think post-COVID or, or since COVID, they, they've come back from the layoff there. This is a team that has struggled with it. Because to start, I mean, they were the pole on Daytona. And at this race in the spring, they finished third, which was their best finish this season, I think. So can they go out and harness the energy that they had back then? Kind of like what we're saying about Logano. In his last 10 races, he has one top five, which is the third in the spring, like we said, and two top tens. His average finish in that time span, 19.8. That's 16th out of everyone on the circuit. So this is a complete value pick. All right, he's had that bad season. He doesn't have the, the track history that really jumps out to you, but the fact that he did finish third in the spring. I talked about how the playoff races have really shown that the playoff drivers step up and finish in the top 10 at this racetrack. But the spring races have had some wonky names like Ty Dillon, like Ricky Stanhouse, like Bubba Wallace. And if you're someone like Ricky, you've got sponsors to answer to. So, you know, they're worrying about this stuff for next year already, who they're going to sign. This is a racetrack. A lot of big money goes to that race. Why can't they go out there and do it again? That's the question. So plus 300, I'm going to take a shot. Complete flyer. They've had such bad luck, but what the hell? Plus 300 to finish in the top 10. Mark me down for that 47 car, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. So now we have some uh, random bets. Okay, I want to talk about the race team bet. I called out the fact that I like Kozlowski and Logano as guys to win on the money line at, at their values, but Penske is going off at plus 225. So if you throw Ryan Blaney in there, he has been quiet these past few races. We haven't really called him out all that much, but if you want to just throw him in, why the hell not? Plus 225, they're going off as a second favorite when we're talking about race teams. Now, they're a little bit of a disadvantage because they only have three, but They've got those solid numbers. Penske Power here, driving the Ford. So Ford clearly does well at Las Vegas. I think they're a better option than Gibbs. I mean, plus 185 is what Gibbs is going off at. They're the favorite. And if you want to really look for a, a long shot value, go with the other Ford team. Rich, sorry, it's uh, Stuart Haas Racing, plus 350. You got Harvick, who is very good here, and then Almirola, and Boyer, Cole Custer, I don't think he's going to make a run for the win, but, you know, you get the picture. I mean, they're Fords. They have the ability to, you know, harness that and put it to work. So I, for one, like the Penske prop here, plus 225, because I think all those guys have good numbers here. So to me, that makes the most sense. But an interesting bet nonetheless, though. That's why we wanted to talk about it. Now, 
top Chevy driver. We're talking about their struggles here. This is an interesting one again because of the history. Four straight times we've had different guys be the top Chevy driver. And if you take out Kyle Larson from the mix, since he's not even racing, it goes all the way back. It's been actually 10 straight races with a different driver. So Larson had a few back-to-back where he was the top guy. So if you remove him from the picture, 10 straight races where we've had a different driver as the top Chevy guy. That goes all the way back to Tony Stewart in 2010. That's just wild stuff. So let's talk about it because Chase, as always, is going off as you know the head and shoulders favorite to be the top Chevy guy. He's done it once, but it's not like he's always the guy. That's the point. So if you're talking about strictly taking someone who hasn't done it before because of that strategy, let's look at Alex Bowman, plus 600. He's in the playoffs. Good value. He's been performing well, a little bit under the covers here, behind the scenes. Plus 600 to be the top Chevy guy isn't bad, especially if you're going to go off of that pattern that it's going to be somebody new. So I really like that one. And if you want to get really crazy, William Byron, we're not going to talk about him in the head-to-head section at all, but I mean, he's someone who maybe, I mean, if you don't have to finish, you know, top four, top five to be the top Chevy guy, Byron could be an option at plus 900. Now he's out of the playoffs, like we know, but still, that value sort of gets your attention, and he's somebody else who hasn't done this yet. So, interesting. I like Bowman in this matchup to kind of, uh, you know, offset the heavy favorite of Chase there. So, uh, mark me down. I mean, I'm going with the 88 car on this prop bet. I really think it's good. Now, another prop that I just cannot get enough of, this is the group props, where you pick one guy to beat three other drivers that they've matched up in a group together. And I'm going all the way down. I'm scrolling all the way past everybody and going to group F because I love the backpack guys, the guys that are, it's really just a battle of attrition. Who's going to stay on the lead lap? Who's going to not wreck out? And this matchup is four guys that are essentially all going off at the same number. John Hunter Nemechek going off at plus 235. Everybody else going off at plus 245. So $10 difference there. Ty Dillon, Michael McDowell and Ryan Priest. These are all guys that are not very good here. Now, John Hunter, young rookie, they are clearly valuing what he's done in the past in a lower series, more so than these other guys who have kind of struggled. But I really do love this one just because it actually is. I'm joking around about it, but it really is a bet where you're looking at the ticker and you're seeing guys battling to be the first car, you know, three laps down. Or four laps down. Uh, that's who's going to win this matchup. Now, my pick in this one is going to be Ty Dillon. He's losing his ride. The 13 car is going to be no more. So he's a free agent. And he is effectively auditioning for a new ride next year. And I think that this is a track that he has the ability to really make some noise. I mean, his average finish is 22nd. That's better than everybody else. And in the spring race, he finished 10th here. We talked about some wonky names. He was up there in the top 10. So in this matchup, plus 224 for a guy who has better average finish, better drive rating, finished 10th last year. It seems to make sense for me. So uh, mark me down for the 13, for not too much longer, Ty Dillon plus 245.
Now we'll end the section with a conversation about some daily fantasy picks here. So I'm putting together my lineup. They finally made it available. And to me, this was all about finding the guys in that middle ground, the guys that, you know, my first criteria was playoff drivers. I mean, I want guys that are fighting for playoff spots because I need to top 10 these people to death in this daily fantasy pool. So I'm going with Alex Bowman, who we, we talked a little bit about. Uh, he's going at $7,300 right now, which is not bad, I think, for a playoff driver. I think the Chevy part of it is, is making his value a little bit lower. His fantasy points for race is 30.0, so pretty solid there for someone like that. I'm also right around that middle ground going with Kurt Busch. I mean, he was somebody that I was kind of looking for. I didn't see the stats that I really expected to see for Kurt in this racetrack, but still, he's going off at $8,700. Not too shabby. Austin Dillon, we talked all about him in the top 10s. Sorry, 7,600. So his fantasy points per race, 34.8. Pretty solid with 12 top 10s on the year. And you're, you're knocking out those middle ground guys so that you can capture big names like Martin Truex Jr. $10,600 is what he's going off at. He's one of the big names, the most expensive, one of the most expensive guys you can get. But I talked all about why I like him to win the race. And I think that value is actually pretty good. I mean, he's not over 11,000, which there are a few that are over 11. So I think he's a good value there in daily fantasy. Average fantasy points per race, 44.9. Really solid there. And then somebody else, Ryan Blaney, 9100 bucks, 38 fantasy points per race. He's been quiet, but this is a track that he's pretty good at. And I expect Blaney to really rebound hard here and go out and capture a, a top 10, if not a top 5, for that 12 car. I think they need something to kind of snap them back. These next few races are all good for Blaney. This round, if he could have made this round, I think he would have made some noise. So I like that number. So you are left with not a lot of money when you do that, but I'm going with Bubba Wallace for $6,700. Pretty solid for someone who finished in the top 10 last time we were here in the spring. So at that point, you know, you're just trying to follow or find someone and cling to a reason for taking those guys down you know, deep in the roster, you're, you're really not looking at much. But Bubba seems like a, a pretty solid pick, so see if they can redo that again, and we'd be in some serious business there. So that's the thought behind the lineup. I'll post that on Instagram this week, at Full Tank Phil, and we'll get some thoughts. So that'll finish off the prop bet section this week. All right, all right, all right. All right, so let's get right down to the head-to-head section. Run a little bit long this week on the podcast, so we'll try to speed it up. In a section that we need to do better at, one and three last week, we're picking four new spots this week. And as I'm going through these picks, I've realized, I don't know if it was because we're going to Vegas or not subconsciously, but I kind of figured underdogs actually turned out to be the way that we're going here, the way we're leaning. So let's get to it. We're going to start with two rookies, Christopher Bell and Cole Custer. Now, looking at these matchups when they came out. That one sort of got my attention because Christopher Bell is going off at minus 134. Cole Custer, the former playoff driver, the rookie of the year, I believe he gets that title, plus 100. What was that about? That got my attention. So you have two rookies. There's not too much that you can really go off of here. So the odds seemed strange to me. You know, why was he such a favorite? So let's look at Christopher Bell because when you're looking at these two, you really have to look at Xfinity. 
his stats at Xfinity four races, three top fives, and those were a second, a fourth, and a second place finish. His average finish, 5.2 in that time span, 163 laps led. Good for him. Now, Cole Custer, five races there, three of them he started on the pole. Really good qualifying effort there for Cole Custer. Two top fives and four top tens in those five races. His average finish a little bit lower, 7.2, 54 laps led. So his numbers there, a little bit worse than Christopher Bell, but still, you know, pretty good. Now, head-to-head at Las Vegas in Xfinity, when they were both on the track together, they split two and two. And in the 2020 race, earlier in the spring, Custer beat Christopher Bell, 19th place finish for Custer, 33rd for Christopher Bell. He finished 10 laps down. So I really didn't understand, you know, you could cling to some of those stats from Xfinity, but to me, it really seems pretty even. So in a case like that, especially when we see the fact that Custer has had a better season overall, I mean, he was just in the playoffs. He just got eliminated. So maybe he's a little angry trying to go out and do that. To me, taking the the odds there, plus 100, seems to make sense because they're both pretty much even. I mean, they don't have too much to go off of. So I really like the 41 car, that Stuart Haas racing machine. You know, you're going with the Ford again. So mark it down. Cole Custer plus 100 in this one. Now, the next matchup we have up is kind of a similar situation because we're dealing with a, a guy who just recently got knocked out of the playoffs taking on a rookie. So it's Matt Tabetadetto, minus 134, taking on Tyler Reddick, plus 100. So that got my attention because trying to figure out why is there such a discrepancy between these two guys and their odds. So we're starting with Matt Tabetadetto because he finished second. I mean, might as well start with the guy who had a great finish earlier this year. Second place finish for the 21 car. Absolutely great. That really, you could argue that second place finish got them into the playoffs because he was really close to that cut line to get in. And that was a a big deal for them. So if you say, all right, great, you know, 2020, they had a great finish. That's why. But if you look at his history, I mean, I know he wasn't in great vehicles, but in seven starts, That was the only time he's ever finished inside the top 20. Everything else was outside of that. His average finish is 21st, and that's with that second-place finish. So I know the 21 car is a better machine, but what's that about? You know what I mean? It's kind of strange to see him as the favorite when his numbers, I mean, it's really just, what have you done for me recently? You know, that's what it seems like they're looking at. Now, Redick, he finished 18th this year. First cup start, we get it. Now, for him, I have to go to Xfinity to try to dig into a little bit. And he had four races there, including a win and two top tens. So he won. When we were here last year, he was racing in Xfinity, and he had the victory. He pulled that car into victory lane this week. So you got to love something to say about that. His average finish in those four races is 12.8. So kind of what you're looking for. Now, head-to-head this season in Cup, you know, at all tracks. Matt has a lead, but it's only 16 to 13. That kind of took me by surprise. And if you're looking at top 10s and top five finishes, Redick actually has more than DiBenedetto. So really strange to see that Redick was going off at plus 100 because that's, you know, typically when it's an even matchup, you know, they're pretty straightforward about it. It seems that they try to hunt matchups that are typically pretty even. So to see these plus 100s are 
a little uh, odd to me. So that's why I'm hopping on Tyler Reddick plus 100. It's because of those odds and the fact that, you know, it's a little bit of a risk, but I think taking DiBettadetto is a, a risk as well. So give me the odds in this one. And that eight car. Moving on to the Battle of the Big Guns. What we'll name that one. You know, marketing. Get, get the marketing team on this one. Harvick versus Truex. Who are you going to go with? Harvick is the big name. Coming off of all these wins. He's got nine goddamn wins this year. Minus 129 is what he's going off at compared to Truex, who is the slight underdog, minus 103. Harvick, we know. Two of the three races in round one, he won. Tons of wins this year. His last 10 races at Vegas, two wins, four top fives, seven top tens. You can't argue with those numbers. His driver rating is first out of everyone. You can't argue that. His average finish, though, 15th. Sorry, 15.0. That's not in the top 10 out of anybody that's going this weekend. So that makes you think a little bit. He finished eighth in the spring. It's pretty good stuff. But the thing about Harvick is he has bad finishes. In those top 10s, or sorry, in the last 10 races, rather, he's had a finish of 41st, 38th, 39th. So he's human at this racetrack. It's not like he is putting up Kozlowski numbers. He's able to have a bad race. And if we're looking at Truex on the flip side of this matchup, he finished 20th in the spring. All right. But we called him out to win the race, and his driver rating is 5th. Not too far back from Harvick's first in that stack category. And head-to-head at Vegas. I mean, we won't get into Truex's, you know, last 10 races and all that again. But his average finish compared to Harvick in the last 10 races is basically cut in half. Harvick's was 15.0. Truex, 7.2. He doesn't have bad finishes at this racetrack. That's the point I'm trying to make. All right? He finished 20th in the spring. That was his worst finish in the last 10 races. He finishes up front, you know. He doesn't have a really let-down race. At Vegas, they're split 5-5, five to five, so I'm going with the guy who's giving me better odds. I think Harvick's going to have a little bit of an off week. Call me crazy. Maybe I am, but I'm liking Truex minus 103 as another underdog pick. Then we're going to finish it off with another big one. Denny Hamlin taking on Chase Elliott. So this one got my attention because, and this one, I didn't know who I was going to take heading into it. So Hamlin's minus 134, Chase plus 100. Typically, I have kind of a hunch on who I want to lean towards and let the stats kind of pull me in one direction. This one, I went in completely split because Hamlin, you know, he, like I said before, you know, in this podcast, he was killing it. And now it seems like he's starting to fade. So I immediately was like, all right, let's take a look at his stats because maybe this is a track where he can, you know, kind of right the ship a little bit. But you add in the fact that he's had that big news with uh, Michael Jordan and starting his own race team. He's on the media junket, all these, vir- I mean, it is virtual. He doesn't have to go to all these places, but it's still a distraction, right? You'd have to consider this a distraction. In his last 10 races, zero wins, one top five, three top 10 finishes for Denny Hamlin. His drive rating is not in the top 10 compared to everybody else. His average finish, 14.8. So lately, if you want to just look at his last five races, it's been pretty rough for Denny Hamlin. He's at a 17th, a 15th, a 10th, 32nd, and a 17th place finish. Those are his last five finishes at this racetrack. Combine that with the fact that he had a pretty rough round one, and I'm not liking that minus 134 number. You know, So now I'm looking at Chase, saying, all right, is there a reason for me to take him? 
right? Because I, I got to find someone to take. And Chase has only been here seven times, but he has two top fives and three top tens. So in less races, he has equal amount of top tens and more top five finishes. His driver rating is sixth out of everyone. Now he finished 26 in the spring, but before that he had a fourth place and ninth place. So those are all good finishes mixed in with some bad finishes for sure. But lately it feels like for Hamlin, it's been all bad. So Chase's average finish is 21.4, much worse than Denny's. But he led 70 laps in this spring race where he had a bad finish. And that was way more laps than Denny's led in all of his 10 races here in this last timeline. So at Las Vegas, head-to-head, Denny has a 4-3 lead, but I don't. I, I think it's Chase all the way in this one. I mean, when you're looking at the stats, I, I'm going with the underdog. I said it how I had the theme there. Chase plus 100, just the value pulls me in that direction. If they were going off even money, which they might on race day, it might shift. If they were both minus 115, I'd have a little bit tougher time going with Chase in this one. But because he's the underdog here, you're getting value there. I think he has a better chance. He's more of a a shot. Denny's been consistently rough. Chase has flashes that he performs really well. So I'm going with the nine car plus 100 in this one. So just to recap the head-to-heads, we're going to do better this week. I feel it. Vegas is going to give us that luck. Plus 100, Cole Custer. Tyler Reddick, plus 100. Truex, minus 103, and Chase Elliott, plus 100. You loop them in a parlay, you're going to cash in big. So that's the head-to-head for this week. So to finish off the podcast this week, we're going to have a Phil's Fired Up section about educating ourselves on the different sports books because it feels like there's a million of them out there right now, right? There's a new one this week with Barstool coming onto the, the market now. So you got to think about it. And this topic really came to light for me in a conversation that I had with a couple of buddies of mine that I work with who actually started working on a little pet project where they created a site that is taking in all of the different lines from all of the different NFL games and will show you the best line for the team that you want to bet on based on all of the different odds that the books are offering. So to put this into a different use case, if you like the Eagles this week and they are the favorite, you know, FanDuel might have them at minus six. DraftKings might have them at minus four and a half. Maybe four and a half is the best number that you're going to get the Eagles for. That's what their site is displaying. It's taking all of those feeds and picking out the best one for you, the gambler. And I thought that was pretty cool, right? They're showing it to me, and I'm thinking, wow, that would be pretty sick if I was a a big NFL better. And they're throwing in, you know, NCAA pretty soon, which I love betting college football. But in my mind, I'm thinking, really, this really doesn't apply to NASCAR that much, right? Because the lines are pretty much the lines. And what I did learn was a lot of these sports books actually utilize the same back end. So, what that means is, I think it's DraftKings, FoxBet, and Parks, maybe a, another one that I'm missing, they're all giving you the same odds because they're getting it from the same provider. FanDuel, they use a different provider altogether. So that's where you know that website that my buddies were working on really comes into play. You're taking all of the sites that have different backend providers and you're throwing them into 
a place where you can see who has the best bet. So from a NASCAR perspective, I didn't really think that there was going to be too much to it. But so, you know, hey, that's great. You know, I love it. Let me know when this is something I can use is kind of how that conversation ended. Well, lo and behold, this past weekend, Bristol, Saturday, right? I'm putting my bets in Saturday morning and I placed some bets on Joey Logano and Kyle Busch. And I did it on DraftKings. Now, I use DraftKings as kind of my starting point, right? They have the best NASCAR betting coverage as a whole. They make it available as early as most, and they have the most options for the most part quicker than everybody else. So if you are just comparing the two big names, DraftKings and FanDuel, you know that they're getting their numbers from two different providers all week, like to put this podcast together, I'm going off of the, the DraftKings app because it's out there for me early in the week. FanDuel doesn't really do anything with NASCAR until the day before and the day of is when they finally display their odds. So getting back to the story here, I kind of got burned because I put odds on Kyle Busch at plus 500 and Joey Logano at plus 900 on on uh, DraftKings. So then I was, you know, making my way around the different apps and I saw FanDuel finally had their odds out for NASCAR. They had Logano going off at plus 1,000 and Kyle, so it was 100 difference and Kyle was a $200 difference. They had him at plus 700 and I was kicking myself because I was just thinking to myself, these guys that I work with were just talking about this and I thought to myself, well, that really doesn't impact NASCAR, but it does. So the point being, you need to, you know, if you're someone who is betting on a weekly basis and you have the ability to bet in multiple places, you need to be aware of what these different sites bring to the table, right? DraftKings and, and anybody else that uses that same backend, Foxbet, for example, they're going to get you the NASCAR odds early and often, and they'll be able to display them. You can look at them all week. You can kind of think about how you want to play. You can watch the odds go up and down. That is something that I would imagine most people like to do. But if you have the ability to kind of hold off and wait, some of these other sites like FanDuel, for example, might be able to be more up your alley because you might get some better odds. Now, the other conversation that needs to be had is what makes these sites different from each other, right? If they are getting, if a lot of them are getting it from the same back end, the same odds, what makes them different site to site? And in that conversation, the answer is promotions. You need to be aware of what each site is promoting. For example, Barstool came on the scene late last week. They were promoting Denny Hamlin, an odds boost for him, going off instead of plus 400, they can get him at plus 650. That was a pretty good odds boost there. Now, I've seen DraftKings give me odd boosts on basically every other sport except for NASCAR. So FanDuel, I cashed in on FanDuel's odd boost last week because you could get Kyle Busch or Kevin Harvick to win the race. You get two drivers for plus 330. I hit that and, you know, I did cash in on that one. So be aware. If you are someone who can move around, you're not locked in on one app, there are things that you can do that are outside of these picks that we've talked about, you know, on this podcast and every other podcast 
there are some nice little odds boosts that you might be able to take advantage of as these apps try to jockey for position as the best one available. Because if you're Barstool and DraftKings and Foxbet, you know that you're getting the same provider's information. So how do you try to stand out in a crowd where they're, it's getting pretty crowded? You know what I mean? It, there's a lot of different sports books now popping up. It's kind of becoming a, a bit of an arms race, actually. I mean, because they're going to be fighting for each new state. You know, who's going to be the first person or the first book in this state or that state? And as they go across the country, it'll be interesting to see how they do it. So the, the kind of wrapping up this topic there are two things that you want to be aware of as you're gambling on NASCAR on these different sports books. You want to know, find the one that you like the most, but then venture out a little bit. You know what I mean? Know that you might see some different matchups from site to site. If you don't like these head-to-head matchups that I'm calling out, maybe there's another site that has a, a few different ones, you know what I mean, depending on the provider. Check and make sure before you place your odds on the money line that you're getting the best money line odds from your provider. You can't just assume that the site that you're using has the best option for you. And maybe, you know, you don't want to spread out amongst different apps. And I can understand that thought process. But if you are someone who is kind of fluid and agile in that sense, then definitely go for it. And then the last thing is keep your eyes peeled for promotions. If I see them, I'll put them out there on Instagram, let people know about them because you want to take advantage of them. That's really, as we said, the arms race is going to start to happen the promotions are going to get a little bit of out of control. So I'm loving that. And I think we'll be the ones reaping the benefits. So educate yourself on the different sports books and how, you know, if you're a NASCAR gambler, how we can benefit from this and in the long run, cash in. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Full Tank with Phil. We're taking the checkered flag here and hopefully we're ending up in victory lane at Las Vegas. Will luck be on our side? We'll see. Time will tell. But we're really hoping that we line our pockets because in the windshield, we've got the big one, Talladega, coming up next weekend. So we want to make sure we are stacked, loaded, and ready to go for that one because we're going to need it. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we will see you next week. no place to go. Place to go, darling. Have no place to go. Have no place to go.